Please turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. As you know, we have been sharing some basic Bible truths. We've been sharing doctrines uh, that we teach and that we live by. It's a good study for those who are babes in Christ, who have just been saved. But when you think about it, it's a good study for all of us. We, we all need to be refreshed, and it's the Word of God, and it never returns void. So we trust that, that everyone has been blessed by this. And so as we have gone through several topics, tonight we're going to talk about maturing as Christians. God saves us. He leaves us here to bring glory to Him. He leaves us here on this earth for His work. And He's looking not only to save us, but to grow us up, to mature children of God. And so with that, let's, uh, let's read in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, and I'll, I'll stop somewhere. It says, but the natural man... Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye are not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. I'll just stop right there. As we talk tonight about maturity in the believer. We're not only going to talk about a believer maturing. We're going to talk about, about three categories of people as well. That we might examine ourselves and to see what category we are in tonight. You know, the word maturity... Just the mention of the word maturity really has a tendency to, to make us to put people on different levels. People are on different maturity levels. And so we, we categorize people. You know, we categorize people a whole lot and we do it in many different ways. You know, some positive, some negative. We, we categorize people by their occupation. I know that I tend to do that sometimes. Someone is trying to describe someone to me or tell me, I know you know them, it's so-and-so. And, and I'll say, oh, that, that really great police officer. Yeah, yeah, I know him. Or, 
Oh, you're talking about that wonderful teacher. Yeah, I know her. And so we connect people occupationally. We connect them to their jobs. And, and, and we could go on and on with, and on with examples of that tonight. But as we look at categories of people in the Word of God, we are going to look at three tonight. We are going to look at he which is natural, he which is spiritual, and he which is carnal. We're going to talk about a third one. There is not a fourth one that we're going to talk about. There is not a fourth one that is needed because everyone fits into these three categories. Natural, spiritual, carnal. God desires that everyone be spiritual. He desires to save every soul. By the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that everyone would have their sins forgiven and come into a relationship with God through Jesus and be made spiritual. Then after becoming spiritual, God wants us to mature in him. There is a lot of growth, potential for every single one of us, that we might grow in the Lord. God wants that for you and I. You know, but the truth is, there are very many who are, who are natural, many people who are unsaved. There, there are many people who are, who are spiritual. There are many saved people. And then there are many who are carnal. There are those who they're saved, but they have not grown in the Lord. So we're going to have that third category as we look at these uh, three sects of people, these, these three categories of people. And God wants to save all. And He wants to shape up all. And He wants to mature every Christian. You know, for Christians to mature, there is a must that we see where we are. That, that we, we examine ourselves and we see where we are and we see the need that we might grow and that we might mature. Everyone needs that. The Apostle Paul himself, he said, I have not attained. I have not apprehended that which I'm apprehended of in Christ Jesus. He was saved, but he knew he had some maturing to go. He had a ways to go in being developed by the Lord. We need to see our need for growth in order to be able to grow. And let us also see three categories. Three categories that we might fit into tonight. And let's start with the natural life. Let's, let's talk about the one who is natural. You know, when a kid is lectured by their parents for doing something wrong and the parents say, why would you do such a thing? Most kids don't know they can give this answer, but they could say, mom and dad, I'm just doing that, which is natural. Because the way we all are natural in Adam, look, we're, we're sinners. We, whenever we come into this world, and we, we come into this world and we're tainted from the sin of Adam, we're separated from God, we, we have a sin nature. And so to do that which is natural is to sin. 
As, as I think about the natural life and everywhere we can go and everything we can say about it, something just really blunt and right to the point came to my mind to describe the person that is natural. They're dead. They're, the natural person is dead. They're dead to God. They are dead to the life that God gives. Sure, God gives physical life to everyone. God is the giver of life. But... It's dead spiritually when one is natural. The 58th, the 58th Psalm in the third verse says the wicked are astray from God. The wicked are estranged from God from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. Isaiah 48 8 speaks of the transgressor from the womb. From the time we're born... We do that which is natural, and that is sin. That's, that's simply it, you know. Uh, we, we are bent toward that which is evil in, in, our, in our natural existence. We, we are. Romans 3.10 through 12, you know, says it all. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Ephesians 2.3 calls the natural person a child of wrath. You know, the destination and the direction of the natural man's life is out of their hands. There are those who are unsaved and they say that that they are not finished sinning. They're not finished doing what they want while they're in control of their life. They're going to do everything they want. And then they'll think about Jesus later when the truth is their life is completely controlled. It's controlled by the devil. Jesus told some religious natural men who people looked up to as being religious. He told them, you worship your father, the devil. And so that's the natural state of man. And and that's the way they are. Their life is really out of their hands. They're not in control of their life. They're absolutely dead. All they can do is carry out the will of the devil. It is the will of the devil that people delay and reject knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So when someone refuses Jesus and does not believe and does not become a Christian, they do not get saved. That's the will of the devil that is coming forth in their life. It's the devil's will that people won't be saved. So you take people who who dismiss believing or or even doubt in this belief in God through the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved from their sins and that someone died on the cross for them. Even doubting that's the will of the devil is that someone would doubt this truth, even though he doesn't doubt it. And he helps the natural man to be able to remain dead in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, I'm going to read this one verse that explains that. It says, in whom the God of this world, that's Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. That's the natural man. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We're to be light. 
for Christ. We're not to hide our candle under a bushel, but but light it up for all the world to see, because the devil is looking to blind this world from the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The natural person cannot see their problem of being without salvation. The natural person cannot understand the things of God. The verse says in verse 14 there that he receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. That word receive means to welcome. The natural man does not welcome the things of God into his life. The natural man might attend service. The natural man might say that the church is good. The natural man might, might think that it, it's, it's good for people to gather together like this. And, and the natural man might even feel better after leaving a church service. I know I did. I, I know I, I loved going around people after I was dressed up in my Sunday clothes. Made, it made me feel like I was doing something good for the day when I was, I was lost and going to church and all dressed up, but, but lost as a goose. And I felt good about that. And, and the natural man can too, yet he will not welcome in the things of God. He, the natural man, looks at the spiritual man and says, he's overboard. He just goes too far with it. They want religion from a distance, the natural man does, but they don't want all that they see that the spiritual man has. In, in a chapter earlier, 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, it says, for the preaching of the cross is foolishness Unto them who are perishing, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. Natural people make fun of the things of God. Listen to this. Natural people make fun of the things of God because they're bothered by them. There is something that they know that is not clicking with them. They know they have an emptiness inside they and they just don't get it though and that bothers them and instead of humbling themselves and asking about it they pridefully bow up and they try to say the christian is foolish yet it's what they need and and they know they need something they are bothered they are disturbed within they are missing something but they won't ask they will only mock Mock the things of God. Mock something that they don't understand. If a deaf person told me that I don't sing very well, you know, they would actually by accident be right. But they don't know that. That's foolish for a, a deaf person to tell me I don't sing that well. They, they can't hear me. It's foolish for a blind person to say someone is ugly. I mean, they can't see that. And it's the same exact way for the natural person to criticize the spiritual things of God. They are blinded to them. They can't see them through eyes of faith. They can't see it in any way. But that disturbance is them knowing they need something. The natural person is in complete darkness. But you know, Jesus can change all of that. Jesus can change every bit of that for the natural person and he can save them. I love John chapter 9 where it talks about the man who was blind from his birth. 
And after all the question and all the debate and everyone trying to to reduce Jesus or to shun who Jesus is and trying to use this blind blind man to do so. And they're asking and they're talking to him. This this blind man says of Jesus, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I know that whereas I was blind, I now see. And God can give sight to the spiritually blinded, those who are natural, that they might become supernatural, they might be saved. The natural person is blind and cannot see. And what is so clear that we know about them is that their eternal destination is absolutely hell. It's hell fire without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. In the ninth Psalm, in the 17th verse, it says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Someone simply said it this way, If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. There's there's physical death for everyone, but then there's that torturing thing we'll call death in hell forever that Jesus Christ died to save us from. He died to save us from our sins so that we wouldn't go to hell. And if we're born again in Him by trusting in Him, Born twice, we'll just die once and we'll live eternally with God in heaven by the power of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The natural man is breathing, but he is not alive. He's like a car with no battery. He's like a radiator with no water. He's like an AC with no Freon. He is, he is missing and he is empty of what he needs. Well, let's talk about the spiritual man. Let's talk about the spiritual life for a minute. Because we move on to verses 15 and 16. And we see the spiritual life now. It says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Stand a spiritual man up and stand a natural man beside him. And you have two people that might have, you know, most likely two arms and two legs, two eyes and one nose. Same amount of fingers and toes. They might look completely alike. But they are absolutely, most importantly, different from one another. They couldn't be more different when you distinguish a huge difference between the two. Because that spiritual man has had two births. That natural man has only had one birth. Both have an earthly father, the natural man and the spiritual man. But but the spiritual man has a heavenly father. And with the heavenly father, that changes everything. For one, God is just creator. For the other, God is creator and he's father. The world calls him God, but the Christian 
calls him father and he is father and having God as our father enables us to a life to be lived that the natural man is not exposed to. He doesn't have the ability to live. The spiritual man can live in a way that the natural man cannot live. The spiritual man can understand the spiritual things of God from the word of God. And this is impossible for the natural man to understand. The spiritual life, it's a, it's a life of power. The spiritual person is able to live by a power and a discipline that they've never had before. They never had it when they were unsaved. But when they were saved, they came into a power. They came into a life that they can live. The Christian lives a constant transforming life. The spiritual man lives a life that is becoming more like Christ all the time. Things are always new. Things are always changing for the good for the spiritual man. And he is growing. He is growing and he's maturing by way of the spirit of God and by the word of God. The psalmist said the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The spiritual man can understand the spiritual word because you understand they know the author of the word. They know the author of the Bible. The natural man tries to say things about the Bible in contradiction and they don't even know the author. They can't ask the author. But you and I can ask the author God and the Holy Spirit of God will teach us the word of God and it empowers a spiritual life. It empowers an ever-changing, transforming life for the glory glory of God when the spiritual man yields to the spirit I went to Dallas about 10 years ago and and I went to get on the highway and it was like whoa there's no little lane there that you can cruise in for a second to get on you go up that entrance ramp and boom you're right in the, I don't know if they've changed it that was a long time ago but I had to yield or I was going to get run over it, it, it was very necessary for me to yield. And it's very necessary for the spiritual man to yield to the Holy Spirit's leading in their lives. And they will live a life that the natural man cannot live. It will be a life lived for the glory of God. It will be a life lived loving spiritual things. It's a change that happens with us. There's nothing good in and of ourselves. But God pours his goodness into us. And he pours his power into us. By way of the person of the Holy Spirit. And the precepts of God. The spiritual man must yield to the spirit. To have a life of power lived. One of my favorite verses is Galatians 516 walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Think about that. It reminds me of going to buy a car one time and and man, they either blow up the interest or they or they reduce it and they blow up the price. Somebody explained that on a commercial with a balloon and they squeezed one side and something's going to try to inflate by that car salesman when they sell a car. This isn't very good for the car salesman right now, but, but it makes a good example. And th so th as you think about that, think about this. Walk in the spirit 
And ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. People talk about how, oh, they want to quit sinning. They're trying to quit sinning. Why don't you replace it? Replace it with walking in the spirit of God. And then we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a life of power. It's a life of perception, the spiritual life is. Jesus says, how be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. The spiritual man is able to receive, able to grasp, able to own, if you will, the word of God, to be able to stand on the word of God, to learn the word of God, to be able to tell the word of God, to be able to live the word of God because he's spiritually plugged into the author, because through Jesus Christ, God has became the Christian's father and we're plugged into the author of the word. Therefore, we can learn and understand the word. If I wrote you a letter and and you didn't understand the letter that I wrote, you wouldn't go ask Jamie what the letter said. The most reasonable thing to do is to come ask me because I wrote the letter. And God has written the love letter. God has given us his perfect word that will never go away. No one's going to outlive it. And he wrote it. And if we want to understand it, let us ask him. But we have to be a spiritual man or a woman. We have to be born of the spirit we have to be we have to be saved in order to do it and then we have a life of per perception and we can grasp the word of god we can learn the word of god you know to the unsaved the bible's meaningless but to the saved it's a daily meal it's a necessary meal we need it every day job said i have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The spiritual man loves the Bible. He loves the word of God. Has to live by the word of God. Has to have the word of God every day. It's a life of perception that, that we can be so blessed to understand the word of God. But it's also a life of perseverance. A life of perseverance. The spiritual life is one that sets us free from the domination of the flesh. The flesh does not dominate the spiritual man. It still exists. It still rises up. There's still temptation. The spiritual man still sins. He's not perfect until he gets to heaven. But he is being saved from the power of sin. Being saved from the power of sin. And things are changing in this. And he's not dominated by the shackles and chains of the flesh anymore. He has been made free Free to live for God. That's what freedom is. People want freedom to do their own thing. What about being free to live for God? That's what happened to us when we were saved. And we're, we're doing it more and more the more we mature. We're free to live for Him. What a blessed privilege that is for you and I. We are able to judge every decision and every action by the handling and the use of the word of God. We are able to resist conforming to the world because the spiritual man is able to see things through the eyes of faith. The Lord does this in 
the spiritual man. The Lord does this work in the one that he saves and he matures us in our decision making. The Lord does this in those who yield to the spirit of God. If we will submit to him, if we will stay behind him, kind of like. Kind of like when the dog wanted to go to town with the family and everybody jumped on the wagon. If that dog stayed under that wagon, he was going to be all right and he was going to be led well. But if he decided to roam out in the wilderness where some wildlife was, where something bigger on the food chain and tougher on the food chain was out there than him, he was going to get into trouble. But, but if he yielded to the family, if he yielded behind the wagon, he would be safe. He would be he would be taken care of. And that's the same for you and I. There's a part in this for you and I that we might yield to God, that we might see our need to yield to God, that we would yield to God when there's anger, that we would yield to God when there's temper, that we would yield to God when there is such an overwhelming desire to do what we want to do. And there's some reason why we won't ask God about it. It's right then and there that we need to yield to him. He knows best. He always knows best. The spiritual man, therefore, will mature and grow in the Lord. Well, let's look at the carnal man. Let's look at the carnal life. Look at what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Even as babes in Christ. The carnal person is a saved person. They have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet they have not been changed. God's transforming power is not at work in their lives. They are not being molded and shaped by God. They're being shaped by the world. They're, they're interested in worldly things. Rather than looking up to Jesus, they are looking up to these Hollywood heathens who have the faces of angels but the morals of alley cats. They're, they love the worldly things. And they're not loving the spiritual things. They're not engaged in it. They have a treasure of a home in heaven. But their lives have not been transformed. This is the Christian who has not matured spiritually. They have not grown up in the Lord. And, and this Christian has not has not developed as the Lord would have them to. You know, there are many defeats. That are suffered in the life of the carnal Christian. In this carnal life that one lives. And there could have been so many victories. Yet there's defeat and, and decision after decision. That next thing you know. I'm off the path. I'm off the path of my church family. I'm off the path of those who have the mind of Christ. I think differently than the family of God. I'm doing things differently than the family of God. I don't want to. That's the carnal Christian. They're saved. Maybe. I'm not telling anyone they're saved. But, but these at Corinth were saved people. That Paul was calling carnal. And they're defeated. And they could have so much victory. The flesh 
is in control instead of the spirit. They have been set free by Jesus, but they run back to the darkness of things and slam themselves in the jailhouse and shut the door as if they are still in bondage, though they are saved. The world has not lost its attraction to the one who is carnal. The one who is carnal, man, the world and the neon lights of the things online and, and the, the lives of, of heathen celebrities and immoral people, it, it's fascinating. And they just love the world. That's the carnal Christian. That just, it's not okay. It's not okay to be there. It's not okay to be in that place. The devil is having his way with the carnal Christian. The devil is is having his way when the saved, when the spiritual man looks like the natural man in his life or her life. And, and they are living that way. They're carnal when they look like they're natural. And though their destination has changed and Satan can't do anything about someone's destination of heaven once they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is still tampering and adjusting their daily lives the way he wants them because he's letting them because the carnal man is letting them do that the carnal christian can't win look it's a lose-lose situation the carnal one can't win he can't walk i mean they're on the winning side of war but they're losing the battle walking and you know walking is a constant repetitive motion it is something you do over and over if you're going to get anywhere you're going to take one step after another it's something that constantly goes on and the bible uses the word walk we just used it a minute ago walk in the spirit and it is something repetitive over and over as a habit in our lives it's a habit of walking but the daily habit of the carnal christian Looks like the unsaved. It looks like the word world. It appears as though they're lost. They can't, they can't walk. They can't war. They can't war. I love the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. I remember a time in my life where, where I had someone, and uh, I won't go into detail, but, but man, they were, they were really trying to mess me up, mess me up on my job. And I remember praying the armor of God every morning. I didn't go in order from the Bible, but I, I went in order from head to toe. I, I prayed for the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and our loins girt about. I just called it the belt of truth and having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I just called it gospel shoes. And Lord, give me the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. To be armored up to handle what came at me that day. All praise and glory be to God. It, it worked. It, it, it worked. It, it worked so well. But the carnal Christian doesn't know how to use that. I don't know who has picked up a battle sword before. But even a, even a halfway strong guy will pick that thing up. And it's kind of hard to manage. It's kind of hard to hold that thing. And the carnal Christian hasn't learned how to use the word of God. They can't handle the word of God. They do not have a defense for that roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We've got to armor up every day. 
If we don't, we're going to get hurt. We're going to get bitter. We're going to love the world. We're going to be taken in. We're not going to have any defense. We've got to armor up. But the carnal Christian can't do that. The carnal Christian can't work. I mean, we're on this earth to give glory to God. And for the work of the ministry, we're here for the work of God. You know, we are here for for the, the for worship to experience for the winning of lost souls, for walking in righteousness, for our wealth to be used for God's glory, for the word to be taught. But the carnal Christian isn't involved in any of these things. The carnal Christian is not engaged in the work of God and they're in no condition to be able to do this thing that we are so privileged and called into. Not able to do it. Not able to carry a load in the ministry of the Lord. But the carnal Christian has to be carried themselves. You know, the man sick of the palsy, he was born of four. He was carried by four. There was one on each end. But that man sick of the palsy that was being carried, he was healed so that he might do the carrying for someone else. But the carnal Christian is just constantly carried. He, he's just constantly the one that's in need. And, and God wants to renew and restore that one. But that won't happen while his feet aren't planted. Look at verse 2 with me of chapter 3. He says, I've fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. His feet aren't planted. The carnal Christian never teaches, but always has a need to be taught over and over without owning the truth, without grasping the truth, having to ask the same thing over and over and never owning it and never applying it to their lives. They never serve another, but they are served by others. Never able to give an account for what they believe. You know, this can be seen. What would you think about a, a grown adult and they were wearing a bib and somebody was feeding them baby food and wiping their chin and and taking their bib off and washing it. And that's the way it was all the time. Look, this is the picture of the carnal Christian. Their feet aren't planted. Their fighting is petty. I'm not going to read verses three through seven again, but it talks about the pettiness of Corinth and the things they were divided over and the things that they were arguing about. The, the carnal Christian wakes up not saying good morning, Lord, but the carnal Christian wakes up looking for a fight. And if there's no one to fight right in their face, they'll go to Facebook for a fight maybe. The carnal Christian wakes up with that irritation and that enmity within them. And that's what they do. It's not a life of peace they wake up to in the Lord. It's a life of friction that they're looking for. That is a horrible, miserable mindset and heart and place to be. That's where the carnal Christian, that Christian needs to mature. That Christian needs to grow up. The carnal Christian is willing to hurt the church. Over silly, insignificant matters. Their passion is not how things affect the church and what's best for the church. Their passion is for how things affect them. You know, there can be all kind of changes in every ministry of the church. And this person will seem easy going like, like the, you know, they're not raising, raising a fuss about it. But, but you do something in the ministry they're in 
And even if it's for the good, if they don't like it, man, you've got a fight on your hands. It's it's all about them. It's more about them than the church. And you have to watch out for the carnal Christian in the church because they will tear up a church. They will do damage to a church. They must be watched closely in the Lord's church. But the carnal Christian can put off these works of the flesh. The Bible says that we can put these things off and everything that is causing coldness and indifference to the church that can be put off. That can be changed. That's what because this is a saved person and they can repent and they can be restored. Everything that is hindering their growth. It's able to be put away by the power of the Spirit of God, by yielding to the Lord, by confessing our sins to the Lord, by repenting, by changing our mind about our attitude. You know, the carnal Christian can point out something that they think is wrong in the church, and they might be right that it is wrong, but they're doing it in the wrong spirit, and they do it with the wrong attitude. But our attitudes can be changed by the Lord. We can, we can humble ourselves before the Lord, and this change can happen. This is the first letter to Corinth that, that we're in here, that Paul's writing to. There was a second letter to Corinth, and Paul, man, he was basically saying... I almost feel bad. I was so firm with you and I was so coarse about this subject and all of these subjects. I almost felt bad that I, that I addressed it this way. But you had godly sorrow, Corinth. Godly sorrow that worketh repentance. And so they changed from those carnal Christians that Paul called them. They changed and they were no longer in that condition because they repented. They were children of God. They were renewed. They were restored. They were forgiven. They saw things through the eyes of faith. God restored joy. They had peace. They, they wanted a binding in the church and a unity. They didn't, want their th- they didn't want things their way. They wanted the things of the majority and what, what everyone would agree on happening. They just wanted to be one in the situation. They didn't want to say what was going to happen anymore. They wanted what was best for the church. And they considered others better than themselves. And they took a step back and they humbled themselves before God. The carnal Christian can be restored to spiritual again. And if, and if we have become a carnal Christian, you know, we don't have to stay that way. We, we need to look at that. There is strength. And there is success for those who are saved. You are always a saint. If you're a carnal Christian, you're still a saint. You're still a child of God. If you're spiritual, if you're the spiritual man, praise God for that. And you keep on keeping on. You mature and you grow. It's God's plan. It's by God's design for His glory that you steadily keep learning. But if you are natural... If you're the natural man, look, natural is not cool with God. It's not okay. The natural one is separated from God. But there's a new natural for you tonight. You can be made supernatural. And this is by realizing you're a sinner and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and letting him save you from your sins. It's that easy. It's that easy. He will wash you. He will forgive you if you see your need For the blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. To have all your sins forgiven. For hell to be shunned. 
to be washed and cleansed in the blood of the Savior by grace, through faith, entering into a personal relationship with Jesus. As Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. There's a lot of growth in store for all of us. If Paul had a lot of growing to do, where does that leave us? Let us realize that God is wanting to mold us and shape us and mature us and, and grow us up for his glory. I'm going to ask George Bowman if he'll come up here and close us in a word of prayer tonight. It's been good to be with you in Bible study. And in this way, we've had, we have a good number in God's house tonight. And we love you and appreciate you all. Brother George.